The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, we've got a big, humongous, monumentous update. Enormous, gargantuan update on Zion Williamson. And let me tell you, it is going to get spicy. Did someone say spicy? I love spicy chicken sandwiches myself. Extra pickles, maybe some mayonnaise. Anyway, down in the bayou. Did someone say bayou? I love gumbo. My God, I love some gumbo. No one seems to be going on and knowing what the hell is going on with Zion's injury or his future plans, and things are getting tense. Tense. We check in on the Phoenix Suns, who got some bad news this past week. And finally, very sad end of an era at Madison Square Garden. I hate talking about them, but more news just keeps coming out, Brock, so drop that beat. It's update day. Update, just a little news around the league as we wrap things up. No big stories? Well, one big story. <laughs> Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Or the elephant hiding in Beaverton, Oregon at the Nike campus away from his entire team. I'm pushing P, pushing P, folks. I'm sorry, I kid, I kid. Sometimes the jokes just write themselves, you know what I mean? Just, I'm pushing pie, he says. I'm pushing pie. Somebody's pushing pie on time. Stop. This is how bad things have gotten in New Orleans. Zion Williamson. Nowhere to be found has dominated post-All-Star break. Which is ironic because last year he was dominating in the post during the All-Star game. How far we've come. Things have gone off the rails. What an absolute force he was last year and now he is just... Crickets. Nowhere. No one sees him. No one knows what's going on. Definitely not on the floor, but not good for the Pelicans, not good for the NBA, and damn sure not good for Zion because he is dominating the news in the worst possible way. So let's give a quick little timeline, quick little update on what happened, shall we? Randomly, after the last game before the All-Star break, CJ McCollum, former Portland Trailblazer, 
new New Orleans Pelicans, was answering questions about his new team. When someone asked him, hey, so, like, how have your conversations been with Zion? And uh, he's like, oh, uh, I haven't talked to Zion yet. <laughs> nope, not a peep. Nothing from Zion. And he go, they go, do you know uh, when he's going to come back? And CJ goes, nope. I know about as much as you do right now. We have not connected, but I am going to get to the bottom of it. Pause. Pause. Hold on. Let me take a drink. And get my uh, popcorn out. Because, first of all, CJ McCollum is not your normal, everyday teammate. Besides the fact that he gets paid $30 million. CJ McCollum, for folks who don't remember this, because these aren't things that just come up to the top of the forefront of your cerebellum. He is the head of the NBA Players Association. CJ McCollum is the new Chris Paul. Excuse me. And you haven't spoken to the MBPA president yet? And your new teammate who they forced to trade, or not forced to trade, but they, they made a trade in a way that people are a little sus on just to pair you with someone who's a dominant scorer? You haven't spoken out to him? No. Literally the most important teammate Zion might ever have. Indication how fractured, since he's fractured his metatarsal, how fractured his relationship is with the Pels that he wouldn't even reach out and say, yo, what's up? Welcome to New Orleans. Let me show you my favorite Creole spots. Smoothie King Arena, let me show you where all the smoothies are at. And that's just the beginning because J.J. Redick, who has an axe to grind with the Pelicans, went on ESPN and then was like, I'm going to throw some gasoline on this. This is what he said. I want to get across is how abnormal it is for a player to not text or reach out to an incoming player. And not just because it was C.J. McCollum, who's a great player. You do that for any teammate. You do that when you sign a two-way player. You just do that. I, I said this earlier on First Take, and this is, this is the point I really want to hammer home here. When you're a professional athlete that is playing a team sport, you have to be fully invested. You have to be fully invested in your body, your work, and most importantly, your teammates. That's part of the job description. When I saw this over the weekend, I, to me this was like, the most cringy thing all weekend. I thought the dunk contest was going to be it. This was it. What, when you say this, which part of it? So much to unpack there. When you've got J.J. Redick, who shares an agent with Zion Williamson, Zion's been on his podcast at least once sharing personal details of his vulnerability in his life. They're friends. They're friendly. This is not someone who has an axe to grind with Zion. And when J.J. Redick, one of the nicest dudes in the league, who was Zion's teammate, says, I can personally describe Zion as a detached teammate, you have to say, alert, alert, red alert. This is not a test. Sound the alarms. Break the glass. Something is wrong. He then says, Zion's not even on the season ticket pamphlet email? What? Excuse me? All right, then he goes on later on first take and says this. When I was watching Sunday night and they announced the starters, Joel Embiid, fifth straight All-Star game start. Think about 
the rear view now. How, how long ago it seems that there was all these injury concerns and now he's just been a, a complete dominant force for five seasons. Zion can get to that, but, but like I said, you have to be fully invested in all those areas, and, and, and body starts. That's where it starts. LeBron it starts famously spends a million dollars a year on his body. Kobe yeah. is flying all over the world to prolong his career, right? You yeah. think Zion quickly has played his last game in New Orleans? No, I don't. I don't. And, and, and I'm even more optimistic. There's a responsibility that you have as an athlete when you play a sport to be fully invested, fully invested in your body. You Notice he said that first. The body part. He did say that the body part first. He said that for a reason. Fully invested in your body, fully invested in your work, and fully invested in your teammates. That is your responsibility, and we have not seen that from Zion. You can damn well know that that is a shot at Zion's lack of conditioning, his locker room demeanor, and he admitted he had to call out Zion in front of the entire team his rookie year. Yes, he's been amazing when he's been on the court, 100%. He's amazing to watch. There's no one that can do what he does on a basketball court. But as a teammate, there's a pattern of behavior. As a fully invested individual in New Orleans, there's a pattern of behavior. This is worrisome. I'm worried. I'm worried. Are you worried? I've been worried. Folks, I've been worried since August. I've been worried since whenever their little uh, media availability, when they slid in that Zion had a random surgery that they didn't know about. Like, ever since then, I'm like, Ears pricking up. Uh, Scooby, does anybody else see this? No. And here we are. He hasn't played a goddamn game yet. And then that's when shit literally hit the fan. Everybody began to weigh in. Ba-doom-tsh, on the Zion drama. Many of them seemingly shocked about the incredible, incredible disconnect between Zion and the Pels front office and his teammates. Of course, I could point out I've been talking about this since the beginning of the season. Uh but that would be unseemly. That would be that would be rude. I could even say that I predicted he wouldn't play a single game this season. But that would be uncouth. That would be very uncouth. It would also be um, what's that word? The truth. It would also be the truth. But, you know, we're not here to talk about all the things that I predicted that nobody agreed with me on, and now here we are in the brink of disaster. But it, it's okay. It's fine. Like, it's just me yelling at clouds all by myself until the world falls down around me. It's okay. No worries. Piece after piece now breaking on the Picayune Tribune paywall that I took a lot of time getting past without paying. Uh, The NOLA took a lot of time getting past that article's paywall as well today. For you, listeners, for you. I'm not paying a dollar for these guys. I just will not. Headlines like, report, Zion Williamson's detachment from Pelicans stems from lack of trust. Quote, unquote, lack of trust. We can't even trust Zion on the offseason to be by himself 
alone with a plate of donuts. Like, the lack of trust goes both ways here. It goes both ways. Listen, like, I promise you that's be. I didn't say that, but that is what sources tell me things are saying being said that right now. Trust. We can't trust. The trust is. We, listen, he had a surgery without telling the team. The trust issues go both ways here. They go both ways. Even Pelican's podcast hosts can't even confidently say that they think Zion will be in a Pelican's jersey next year. He's not on an expiring deal right now. And you can't tell me whether by you know October of 2022, whether Zion's going to be rocking a Pelican's jersey or not. You think maybe or not? That's how bad it is? Or Nolans? Or Nolans? And now everybody is calling him out. Being like, no, hey, Zion, we need you to pledge your allegiance to the New Orleans flag. We need that. There's spo- speculation. Is Zion looking for real estate in New York City? Maybe he already has an apartment on the Upper West Side. So what's actually happening? That's the question. One, Zion's injury has made his future very, very stressful for as a subject matter for the Pelicans organization, but also stressful in general. If Zion's out for the year, which it certainly seems like he will be, he will have played just here we go. Stick with me here because it's going to get kind of ugly when we do this math. Uh, Zion will have played 85 games total in his first three seasons. Do you know who else was drafted number one overall and played 82 games in his first three years? Greg Oden. Yep, it is. Guess who else went number one overall and played 119 games in his first three years? Sam Bowie. Yeah, yeah, him. So it's not outrageous to make those kind of comparisons. You know, those bust comparisons that people like me have made possibly in the past and got ripped up by Richard Jefferson. It's no problem, but like those comparisons are, are in fact valid because both Bowie and Bowie and Odin, had they remained healthy, almost certainly would have been all-star guys. There was nobody who's debating or questioning their skill level, athleticism, or their potential. But... The reason that they went down, the reason that they were bust was mostly because of genetics. Micro fractures for Odin, strength and power and torque on his body and his knees because of his size, really. And leg issues in the case of Sam Bowie that went for a long, long time span. The difference with Zion, though, is that Zion is in control. A lot of these issues are self-inflicted, especially those that revolve around his weight he's showing up way too heavy and that is on him as christian clark at the nola behind that paywall i told you about uh noted williamson frequently showed up late to rehab work during his rookie season pause red flag his unique body type makes it imperative for him to diet and train rigorously which he has failed to do since being drafted by the organization. He showed up to training camp in September well above 300 pounds, sources say. Ideally, one team source says Williamson should or would play games at 265 pounds. That's 
That's not good. Some reports say that Williamson weighed as much as 330 pounds during his rehab. Maskell, Maskell, Maskell. So 265, carry the one, 330. That's 55 pounds overweight here. And we're not talking just muscle, right? I don't think it's just muscle, right? Uh, we know that. And I'm not fat shaming. We do not, we do not, we do not fat shame or muscle shame on the heat check. I will not. But Zion is a big guy, huge, powerful human being when he's completely healthy. And as Skip Bayless was told, this is a guy who loves nothing more, Zion, As we, I mean, this is obvious logic, but I'm just going to give you the quote anyway. Zion is a guy who loves nothing more than, quote, eating whole pizzas washed down with high sugar soft drinks. This is a guy who would be, is like if Embiid was unhinged, right? As if Embiid decided, you know what? Goodbye, cruel world. It's just me and my Shirley Temples. You know, that's Zion right now. And to make matters worse, one of the reasons cited for the rift between the Pels front office and the Zion camp is really how cautious the Pelicans front office and training staff has been with his rehab. From the bubble to last year to the most recent foot issues, apparently a lot of trust has broken down between them because of that thing. Can you fucking blame him? Excuse me. You're always heavy, overweight. You're always getting hurt. And then you never slim down and get healthy again. So why wouldn't we be cautiously pessimistic? Like, I don't know. Like, honestly, (laughs) it's like, listen, this is a problem here. (laughs) Zion's distrust of David Griffin is also apparently playing a role. With Nola reporting that Williamson and his camp don't trust Griffin to be truthful from throwing Alvin. I mean, he's not. He's not. But that's, I mean, neither are you. From throwing Alvin Gentry under the bus to hiring Stan Van Gundy, a coach so unpopular in New Orleans, Josh Hart said that playing for him destroyed his love for basketball. Yes. To screwing over J.J. Redick and saying he was going to send him to either Brooklyn or New York or Philly so that he could be closer to his family. And then he sent him to Dallas, who shares an agent with Zion, as I earlier mentioned. And there are all of those things, a lot of reasons not to trust Griffin and the Pels if you're Zion. Plus the fact that routinely this front office, this ownership group, doesn't like to pay into, well, I mean, they've never paid the luxury tax. So we don't really know what their level of commitment is to winning. Just when the Zion news was reaching a boiling point, Zion speaks. Zion finally speaks out. Yes, folks. But it was on an Instagram group chat with random strangers that then ended up getting posted on the internet to protect and defend Zion. That's completely irrelevant. Just keep that in mind, though. He said this, quote, I don't know why everyone thinks that I'm leaving. Everyone that knows me knows I love the city of New Orleans. I'll be back soon in due time. Black fist devil emoji. Mention, uh, it, notice that he did not mention the actual New Orleans Pelicans. He did not whatsoever. Which is probably a shot at the team for sending out, I don't know, those season ticket renewal emails featuring Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, CJ McCollum, and chirp, chirp, 
chirp, chirp, no Zion. No Zion, not even a mention of Zion. Imagine the Portland Trailblazers putting out season ticket emails. Hey, uh, 2022, 2023 season tickets are here. It's time. Down in the Rose City. It's Yusuf Nurkic and Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, and no one. And there's like no mention of Dame. That would be absolutely bonkers. They took this man number one overall. Uh, yeah, do we mention Nurkic in there? Yeah, uh, also Cody Zeller here. Uh, we've got Cody Zeller. Anybody want season tickets? So how does it work out? That's the question. Like, what do we make of all of this? When Pelicans insiders can't decipher whether Zion's going to be there in a Pel's uniform next year, we've got four big questions on our hands. One, what's the status of Zion's health? We don't know. We got to figure that out. That needs to be seen. That needs to be deciphered. That needs to happen now. Is the relationship between the Pelicans and Zion fixable? Is it actually fractured? All things we need to find out. The most important question that we don't even know yet is, do the Pelicans actually want to re-sign on an extension, a guy who's 320 pounds, who won't communicate with the front office, who will not get in shape, who will not take his rehab seriously, who won't play defense, is standoffish to new teammates, and has been this way since his rookie season? I don't know if that's a risk I'm willing to take if I'm a very cheap ownership group who's never overspent in the history of the history. Like, you're talking about a group that treated Chris Paul foul. And Chris Paul was a consummate pro. Like, this Zion thing, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then four, if New Orleans won't do it, or if Zion doesn't want to be there, because that's also a big question mark. Does Zion actually want to be in New Orleans? If it's not New Orleans, who's going to roll the dice for Zion? I've got a final word to anyone living in New York City who might be thinking about pushing play on that. Uh, World Wide West from the top of your Dracoff Tower. Word to the wise to World Wide West. Proceed, sir, with caution. We turn to Phoenix Suns. Uh, big news. Tough news. Terrible news. Chris Paul is going to be out for the remainder of the season with a right thumb avulsion fracture on his shooting hand. That is that is what we call crushing. Tough, awful stuff. But do not panic. We have good news. The Suns have a six-and-a-half game cushion over Golden State and an eight-game lead over Memphis with 24 games left. So... Probably not enough space for anybody to catch up, folks. This is it. They have locked up the one seed based around how dominant they've been all year, their backups, and really just time. Even if, let's just go into it, like if you want to go doomsday situation. So say Phoenix goes 500 in the next 24 games in CP3's absence, which they won't. We know that they will not go 500 in these last 24 games. But say that they do. Golden State has to finish the rest of the year with five losses or less, without Draymond Green, just to be clear, just to tie. Wow. 
just to tie. That's where we're at. No one's catching up. It's done. The race is over. That's not going to happen. So Phoenix is going to be the one seed heading into the playoffs, and I'll have a little cushion uh, of time to watch the play-in tournament, get guys healthy, rest up before facing a team like, I don't know, the Pelicans with no Zion, of course, or a very hobbled Lakers team with Anthony Davis, A. Disney, what they call them, bones of glass, skin of steel or paper or something. Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. That would be a buzzsaw. That would be an absolute buzzsaw Lakers night-night sleep mask. Bad news is this. Slightly concerning if you're a Suns fan to have the engine behind your offense out for two months. Because not only does he aspect, he impacts every aspect of the team in these major ways from team defense to the structure of the offensive flow. He also has to get back to that place. Two months, and then he's able to get back into the game flow. I mean, Chris Paul is the Captain America of the Suns. The linchpin upon the rest of the team is built. Here's an example of how crucial Chris Paul is to the team's success. When CB3 is on the floor, Phoenix averages 115.9 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, the number drops to 104.9. Yikes. Mm. CP3's net rating is plus 10.5, which is good for third in the entire league among players averaging 30 minutes per game or more. So consider this also. In clutch time, at 36 years old, Chris Paul is the best in the entire league. I'll say it again. Chris Paul is the most dominant player in crunch time, clutch time in the league, period. For those who don't know what that is, clutch time is any time during the fourth quarter or overtime when the score is within five. CP3 leads the NBA in clutch plus-minus at plus 99. He's shooting 56% during clutch time, and more importantly, the Suns are an NBA best 24-3 in clutch time this season thanks to Chris Paul. Sheesh! That is bonkers. So, of course, losing CP3... And having him to get back fully conditioned, he can't shoot the ball like this. He won't be able to have his feel back. It's almost like a golfer who has to get back into putting and chipping. It's a feel thing. As a shooter, that's going to take time. He's not going to be able to use his hand on a ball for the next probably six to eight weeks. Scary, considering that this is a team that absolutely needs Chris Paul to win a championship. They cannot do it any other way. We saw how it was when he was gone in the in the playoffs last year and into the finals when he looked like absolute trash because he was injured, not because of anything else. But when he's not playing at his best and he's not fully healthy, this team is atrocious. Atrocious. So, pretty lucky that the Suns ended up with Aaron Holiday. For cash, for a cool ranch Doritos, Aaron Holiday is now the backup point guard of this team. He was just on the Wizards like two days ago. Wizards considered him, uh, Bradley Beal considered him to be the number one defender on the team. And now this guy is going to back up campaign who's coming back from injury as well. The question, how the fuck did the NBA allow Aaron Holiday, who is 22-8-6 per 40 minutes, like, he's averaging 22, 8, and 6 per 40. How did they allow him to end up in Phoenix for cash? Considering, it's beyond me. Considering he's a good locker room guy in a winning culture, of course, not in a trash culture like the Wizards. He's a tough defensive presence, and he can still score. 
Bradley Beal, like I said, said he was the best defender on the team. He's a holiday. Mm -hmm. It's in his DNA. He is locking up Drew when he's a young kid. That's the kind of like one-on-one games they did in the backyard. It's wild. He ended up in Phoenix when teams like Boston, New York, Philly would kill for a 20 minutes or more point guard who can do all those things. Like, could you imagine New York right now with Aaron Holiday? I mean, he's, I would say he's probably better than Alec Burks. So, I don't know. So, will Chris Paul be gone? Being gone hurt the Suns? For sure. They are absolutely worse when he's not on the floor. Did the Suns see this coming? I mean, they had to have. They got Aaron Holiday for cash. There's only one reason you do that. You know that this is necessary. Either you think Chris Paul might get injured because he always does, or he already was injured and then you just admitted that he was. But fortunately, I think he'll be back in time for the playoffs. Getting that number one seed is huge because it gives them time to get his groove back. He could probably not even play the first round of the playoffs depending on who they play. So that's going to be really interesting. He won't have any other bumps and bruises, too, because the injury will allow him to stay in shape without the grind of this stretch run to wear him down. It's actually kind of chess, not checkers. You know what I mean? Like, you're basically load-managing Chris Paul for the last 24 games of the season. Plus the play-in time, plus the first round. You might get him healthy for, like, three months almost. That's wild. Also, uh, you're going to need to think about it as a team, how you want to move on and how you want to function now that Chris Paul's not there, how the offense will change in his absence, how you exploit the things you already do well. To do that, let's look at what the Suns do best. Pick and roll. This is something that I just saw today uh, that was blowing me away, something that I think will kill other teams in the playoffs, something that the Suns will absolutely need to continue to expand on. If I asked you who the number three pick-and-roll man is in the NBA in terms of the roller, who would you guess that is? DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton, third best roller in the NBA. And, of course, like, you would think that might be a a son, considering we're talking about the Suns. Not a shock, since they use the pick-and-roll a ton in Phoenix. Like, Ayton is very effective in the high pick and roll how effective 73 percent of his shots are from the high pick (sighs) given how good chris paul and devin booker are in the mid-range it makes it almost impossible to slack off of them and roll with da like da is just getting easy shot after easy shot period 75 percent of his pick and roll plays come through chris paul so that's gonna need to get filled that gap is gonna need to get filled but here's something that I am reasonably sure you probably don't know. Do you know who the number one pick and roller is in the NBA? The number one roller. I'm not even going to make, make you guess. It's JaVale McGee. Are, are we serious? That is an embarrassment of riches. JaVale McGee left to die out in the streets of Denver, just sitting on couches, going from place to place. Number one roller in the NBA this year. The Suns have two of the best three rollers in the league. What a damn pickup getting JaVale McGee was. Anybody could have had him. Anybody. And the thing is that the pick and roll works because Chris Paul and Devin Booker are so incredible, but mostly Chris Paul in this particular example. 75% 
of all pick and roll plays, like I said, come through Chris Paul, but 65% come with JaVale McGee. The athletic Zach Harper wrote this, where McGee truly excels is in the fundamentals of what you want a big man to do here. Set a good pick, time your roll out of the pick, move in rhythm with the guard, catch the ball, keep it high, finish at the rim. Most guys don't keep it high. Most guys bring it down where they can get stripped or fouled. And McGee does that better than anybody in the NBA this season, and that is why he's shooting an absurd almost 77% from the field. That is crazy. You got a big man who is left out on the street to die, shooting 77% from the field. And then, okay, okay, he's a seven-footer. You can just dunk. Well, stop him then. Stop him from dunking. Okay. And 37% of those plays have been run through Chris Paul. And on those 37%, McGee has scored 70 points on 43 plays. Okay, let me break that down. 35 of 43 times they've ran that play. McGee has scored. Wow. 35 of 43? That is unbelievable. And that means to me more responsibility falls on the shoulders of Devin Booker and campaign and probably now Aaron Holiday. But all you know is this. You got two big men that can roll and roll a lot. All you got to do is be effective in the mid-range enough that they cannot over move and roll with JaVale and DA. So, yeah, CP3 going down, huge deal. But also don't sleep on the fact that Monty Williams knows this as well. Right. Monty Williams knows what he has. He knows that he's got the number one and number three rollers in the NBA. Are you kidding me? He's the best coach, period, in the NBA right now. He's going to win coach of the year. If I know it, he for sure knows it. And the Suns probably, like I said, are not giving up their cushion in the West. So they're not going to have to rush CP back. Things are going to be fine. It's going to be interesting, but things are going to be fine. And that is a luxury, and we can use that luxury that makes a disastrous potential seismic injury way, way less impactful. The question is, how impactful will this injury be? I don't know. Chris Paul's been injured for pretty much every single postseason in his entire career since he was like 24 and and up. We'll see how this plays out. Like hammies, hands, wrists, necks, abdominals, feet. I don't know. It's like everything with Chris. So I am really hoping that his secret stuff in the bottle and his time to load manage keeps him 100% healthy for the playoffs because a fully healthy Chris Paul with the Suns is an absolute nightmare for opponents. And the league is better off when we see Chris Paul and Scott Foster basically bickering and getting into the media and making fireworks. So prayers up to Chris Paul, and uh, I can't wait to see him back soon. But I think this might be a blessing. in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry, cruising down A Street, off-white Lexus, driving so slow, but BK is from Texas. Me, I'm out there bed stop, home of that boy. Let's give a little Knicks update. It's sad. It's so sad. I wanted it to work. You guys wanted it to work. We've already talked about this. Like... It's, it's, it's the end for Kemba Walker in New York, for sure. It's happening. Kemba Walker has shut himself down for the duration of this year. The team did not aggressively pursue trading him before the deadline, which means they believe that they are going to get more for him in the summer. And his time in a Knicks uniform is up. Apparently it's a mutual decision, which I get, of course, but damn. 
Damn. Sad ending. It was supposed to be a fairy tale. It was supposed to be, you know, this, like, amazing, beautiful, touching moment that we never get in the NBA. Like, hometown kid comes back, makes right, reemerges his career. No, but it is not. It is not. I love Kemba. But this was a, as we've talked about before, this was a bad, bad fit from the beginning. We talked about this on Monday show. He's not a Tibbs guy. We knew this was never going to work. We knew that this was for optics. We knew. His defensive rating is 112.5 on 26 minutes a game. That is, I cannot properly express to you how bad that is. Like, that is really, really, really bottom of the barrel stuff. He's, that's already one strike. That's fully healthy Kemba. And then on the fact, like, his knee's swollen at all times. Like, he's literally having to get drainage, and he's packing his knee up with ice, and apparently he's walking around all, like, quote-unquote uncomfortable, limping in between games. You add those injuries in. He was playing, apparently, Ian Begley said he was playing through a lot of pain all season long. Just completely not healthy for the entire stretch. He lied to us. They said he was back healthy. That was a lie. He was inconsistent offensively all year and consistently getting cooked defensively all year as well. Like that that's why Tibbs was like, "Yo, you got to go. You cannot be playing any more minutes." And so to me, it was only a matter of time. Like if Tibbs could have shut him down for the entire year, he would have. We saw he benched him. It became a thing. And then, of course, like, Kemba shot 28% from the field during his final couple of games. So that's that's also not good. And now here's the kicker, which is kind of really, really sad. This is the really sad part. Kemba's not even going to be around the team moving forward. He's a big locker room guy. Young guys loved him. And nope. Apparently Ian Begley's like, yeah, he's just going to – just going to maybe take some time away from the squad. We might not even see him from here on out. That's sad. Apparently guys like RJ, Alec Burks, they gravitated to, to Kemba. He's his demeanor, his local presence. He's a good dude, high character. RJ Barrett even was like he's one of the best humans I've ever met. Just sad stuff. But all of that to say Kemba Walker experience in New York is just it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And it might also possibly be a wrap for Tibbs or Guy Tibbs, like we talked about, as everyone is speculating, uh, which we said maybe six weeks ago, that the blame, the guillotine, might fall on someone. And that someone, it looks like, might be him. It was reported uh, World Wide West was secretly blaming Tibbs for his uh, awful, horrible season last week to James Dolan. How did a reporter get that news? Do you wonder? A personal... One-on-one conversation getting publicly put out into the headlines. How could that even be possible, you wonder? But Tibbs, like the man of honor that he is, was crickets for a while uh, until he said the following. I talk to Wes all the time. I do not respond to rumors or any of that stuff. I know the drill here. Pause. When he says I know the drill here, it means I've been publicly sullied and guillotined and scapegoated many times before. I know how it is when a team's not performing and they look at me. I know what this is. Just watch your mouth. I've been here before, so I don't worry about any of that stuff. And that's a lie. He 100% is worried that World Wide West is talking smack about him to the owner behind his back. 
if you don't, if you're not concerned about that report, if you're a human being in a job and you hear that the guy who tabbed you, picked you, he hand selected you that you had this amazing relationship with. And in the headlines, it comes out that he is not only not trusting you, he has completely pulled a 180 on you and is blaming all of your lack of organizational success on you to the person who owns said company. If you're not worried about that, man, there's some there's some little screws that aren't quite like screwed in there because that's something every single human being should be concerned about our livelihood, our job security, unless he's like, yo, I got a five-year deal. I'm not, whatever. Fire me. I'm all set. I'm 70 years old. How old is Tibbs? Let's look. He's not a kid. He's 64. Okay, so there's another three years left, 67. I'm good until I'm 67 years old. I can ride out this paycheck all the way through. Lots of money to sit on the Couch, I'm all good. I'm all good. When the Knicks hired Thibodeau, they preached that he and the front office, led by his former agent, president, team president, Leon Rose, were in lockstep. Doesn't feel like they're in lockstep now, just want to say. I talked to Leon every day, he said. I talked to Wes every day, Thibodeau said. So that doesn't change. This was what he said to Greg Joyce of the New York Post. I don't believe that. Do you guys believe that? All I know is that there's, this is just more news that leads us to the same conclusion with, with Kemba and with this World Wide West drama and the Tibbs issues, et cetera, et cetera. Or as my mom would ask me to pronounce correctly, et cetera, et cetera. She won't even hear this because she doesn't listen to the pod, but here you go. The wheels, all of that to say the wheels have fallen off in New York and they're just driving on rims. It's just driving on rims for the rest of the season. Sparks fucking flying everywhere. Passersby being like, oh shit, stay away from that car. That's a, that's a dangerous fucker. He could be running me off the road at any time. Stay away. Hang on tight, folks. I promise you with this Nick shit, there is more to come. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Friday. Uh, with a new episode, do not forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends. Episode might come out late Friday. Uh, tell all your friends. Maybe it won't. Uh, every damn... Actually, it's Monday. We'll be back Monday. Let me do this again. It's Monday. Today's Friday. Or my Friday. Monday. Huh? Today is my Friday. I don't work tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow is the right Friday. This episode comes out tomorrow, so this is the episode that is Friday, so the next episode is Monday. I'll do it again. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Please do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell all your friends. Follow us on Heat Check at at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok.